Well, before we get into this week's episode, it's time about the people that make the show possible. You've heard about them before. We would love to give Mohawk Honda some credit, man. If you're listening to this, hopefully you go back and listen to our most recent episode of Levac and Goss from this past Thursday, where we broadcasted live from Mohawk Honda. Stop in, say hello. Got to see everybody. Greg Johnson, Cam McKenna was on vacation, but I saw Brian McKenna, I saw Lindsay Harridan, and how about Scott Moynihan back 30 plus years, has now returned to Mohawk Honda. So awesome to see him back in the fold there in Glenville. And the new Ryans, man, 2023s are on the way. Now it's your time to get a 2022 at that price that maybe you didn't even think you could get before. It can happen right now at Mohawk Honda. Glenville, New York, great people you want to work with during the carbine experience, people that you can trust during the carbine experience. It's so important to have a good experience when you're all set and done. You know my experience, 2022, Honda Pilot sitting in the driveway. Shout out to our guy, John Higgins, man, in service who took care of me. Tires are looking good. Oil's looking good. All the things that I didn't know were going on. John Higgins, service, the best, and Mohawk Honda's the best. Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. Stop into Mohawk Honda this fall. As the weather changes, so can a vehicle for you. Get that new ride. Speaking of the weather changing, let's talk about our friends over at Johnstone Supply in Troy. It is officially the fall. It's a little bit cooler, a little bit colder. What's that mean for your home? That means your home needs to make sure it's heated properly as the fall is officially here and those colder nights are on the way. But you might have put it off. Johnstone Supply and Troy can help you. Whatever it might be. Whether you've got that boiler that might need a fix, maybe you've got that heating system that needs just a tune-up, Johnstone Supply and Troy can help you. Or maybe they can get you a whole new heating system. It's so important to have that in your home, especially with that colder weather on the way. Give love to our guy, George, man. It would make our football weekend, our sports weekend, if you stopped at a Johnstone Supply in Troy 6th Avenue and said, hey, want to give some love to our guys. We've been looking for making a change in our home. And they'll take care of you. Or call them today and start asking questions. 518-272-5922. 518-272-5922. That is Johnstone Supply in Troy. They'll take the call. They'll answer it. They'll work with you to figure out exactly what your home needs, and you'll have a great setup for the future. We can stop in 6th Avenue and Troy to find those selective products that you need for those fall projects on the way. It's Johnstone Supply and Troy. One more time for the number 518-272-5922 or on Facebook, Johnstone Supply NY. Let's do it. Let's get into Hang on. a new episode of Pugsley's Pit. Hey, ho, let's go. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope you're well wherever you are. I am Sean Pugsley Martin. This is episode 34 of Pugsley's Pit. And as we always do this time of the show, we ask ourselves the weekly question, where else would you rather be than right here, right now? Happy morning to you. The misery continues, folks. The Raiders and Huskers are a combined one and six. The A's are the worst team in baseball. But today we're going to try and change the luck around. But before we do that, by way of introduction, I'm a freelance sports writer for the Albany Times Union, avid sports enthusiast, a big-time homer for my teams without apologies. You can follow the show, as always, on Twitter at Pugsley's Pit and take in the podcast, YouTube, Apple, Spotify. Uh, before we get to our guest uh, coming up later in, in the My World segment, just coffee in here, I swear. Uh, the ugliness that is my sports world uh, continues, so send beer. Um, now, 
since misery is the mood of the day, or at least the moment, we're going we're gonna to cleanse ourselves here. We're going <laughs> to, we have a guest, uh, we're going to talk some Husker football. We didn't lose this week. That's awesome. And with that note, let's bring in Dave from at Husk Guys on Twitter. Dave, we didn't lose. How was your Saturday? Was it relaxing? <laughs> First off, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and uh, it, it was incredibly relaxing until the end, to be honest with you. I think uh, I love, I mean, I love college football start to finish. I'm a diehard fan. I'll watch any any game, 15 straight hours of it. And especially <laughs> not having to watch the, the heartache of, of Husker football is great. But I will say, uh, and this is probably a bad way to kick the show off, but when Adrian Martinez decided to march right down the throat of uh, Oklahoma and beat them, that was a little bit of a uh, – that one hurt me. That one hit me in, in a lot of weird ways. I've been a huge Agent Martinez fan for a long time, and he just could not – I mean, you look at his numbers for Nebraska, he never once did that one time not in four once. years for Nebraska. He does it effortlessly against the team that beat the doors off of us the week before. So I had a great Saturday until Saturday night, and then I didn't sleep Saturday night again. I felt like I almost lost again because of that. So that was a little deflating. But other than that, great Saturday. Yeah, you know what? I saw you tweet about that, and I, then I flipped the game on. Um, I didn't have it on before, and it's – I mean, Adrian Martinez, I, I I loved his effort. I loved his dedication. He played through injuries, and then you'd have a play, and you'd be like, wow, this guy could win the Heisman. And then the next play, he'd trip over himself and fumble the ball inches before his knee touched the ground and turn it over, and it was maddening. So uh, a couple things I want to get to. So, So let's stay on that. In five or ten years, how rough is this Scott Frost era going to look? Because guys leave, and like Martinez is having a nice year at Kansas State, and none of the issues that that he had at Lincoln. I'm not blaming Scott Frost for Martinez's fumbles, but this has got to fall on coaching, right? Yeah, you know, Wandell Robinson's the other one. You know, he oh. left he left Nebraska and became a first round NFL draft pick, and it's probably you know going to have a great career for the Giants. So I think that's another one that sticks close to home where he was, you know, Frost was able to recruit these guys who were, you know, fantastic players. Um, to be clear, those are like two of the top guys. There's plenty of others that have done nothing once they've left, like the Luke yeah. McCaffrey's of the world. Um, yeah, but I would say that the, at, on the top end, Adrian Hurts, Wandale Hurts, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I was Adrian just the most top of mind of like what what happened to that guy and how is it truly just the the pressure at Nebraska was crippling to him because you could rattle off 15 different times he screwed up at the end of the game Michigan he just fumbles the ball Michigan State he throws a game losing interception in overtime Minnesota he takes a game losing safety to lose the game you can list off 20 of those and you're just waiting for that to happen against Oklahoma and he just never did you're just like oh my god this was the guy that we'd been waiting four years for and yeah. it just never came. It just was crippling meltdown after crippling meltdown. Both those Colorado offices, you know, like the, I think the frost crippling meltdowns are very well documented, but Adrian was right there with them, crippling interceptions and safeties and fumbles and drop balls and runs out of bounds, all sorts of terrible stuff. So, you know, I, I, that one hit me weird on, on Saturday night. Cause I, I, everyone's blaming it on coaching. I'm like, well, how can every player just fall apart when they play for us? Thank you. And that's something I'm going to say, because look, the Frost here is going to be, I, I, nobody was happier when they hired him than I was. Okay. It didn't work and it wasn't going to work. And it's in a few years, the one thing I don't want, you know, stories are going to come out, right. 
about Frost wasn't doing this, wasn't doing this. And that's unfortunate because, look, he, he won us a national title as a player. He's always part of the family. You had to go, you had to go. I and mean, the Georgia Southern loss sealed it. Um, but it can't all, you just said it, it can't all be on him. Not every Martinez turnover can be on the coach. Uh, even some of this other stuff. Is it just a, what's the state of the program right now? Like you talent wise, or is, is some of it up here with, with, with the team? Is it just a mental thing? Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of what I come back to is I think, you know, it's like everybody's blaming Frost for everything. It's like he didn't drop the ball for Adrian to lose the game against Michigan. Like he's physically out there, you know, and he was, if you look at so many of those close games, there's guys running wide open that Adrian never saw or the players never saw. So th there's plenty of things where you're like, he schemed him open, but something is weird and something is off. And this starts of the year, you know, the other thing that ruined my Saturday was Northwestern losing to Miami, Ohio. It's like weird. They're Northwestern is probably the worst team in power five and we're somehow below them, which is like remarkable. So, you know, I think that the close losses for a long time, you could defend for us. Cause you're like, wow, we're playing with Michigan. We're playing with Michigan state. We almost beat Oklahoma, but over time, when you lose 10 straight close games, it's not bad luck. It's systemic failure. And so I think there was, you know, as Frost left, there were, really wasn't anybody saying, no, 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 we got to keep him. We got to keep him. I think everyone is ready for a clean break and a clean change. And, you know, the, the state of the program, you know, that's a big question we can unpack because I think we're certainly in a not great place right now. But I, yeah. I have optimism that there's quick turnaround potential as you look around the country and you look at how many good candidates there are for coach. Uh, you know, for quick turnarounds. I mean, Dave Aranda is a guy that's that's become pretty popular name. He took over a one and eleven Baylor, and they were ten and two last year, and they're pretty darn good this year. I watched most of that game on Saturday. So, yeah. you know, there's candidates like him. There's Urban Myers out there. There's Luke Fickles. Mm -hmm. There's Mark Stoops, who's you know he's got Kentucky of all teams in the top six. You're right. Uh, so you know, Lance Leipold's got Kansas undefeated. So you know, Kansas is a dumpster fire of a team forever, and he's got them four and zero. So I just feel like there's the quick potential turnaround with the transfer portal and NIL yeah. and the amount of money that Nebraska has in their program that I, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody thinks we're like totally broken, but I just see this. There's so many coaches who are able to come in and do a quick turnaround by just a, you know, a mental change, get some new players in from a transfer portal standpoint, kind of change the entire mindset of the program. And our schedules are just not that hard. That's the other thing that kind of kills me. It's like we're not – we aren't exactly playing Alabama every week. We're losing to Georgia yeah. Southern. So the bar is pretty low from like, you know, can Dave Aranda come in here and beat Georgia Southern and then Northwestern and then Indiana? Probably. And I, I'll bet you he can do it in one year. Yeah, the, the, the Northwestern loss, they got kind of pushed around that day. That's oh. even – just watching Northwestern and how they're doing now, that, it's just, it just blows my mind even more. But I, I think trying to find a positive, right? you got to be pretty good to be hanging in these all these one-score games, especially last year against the best of the Big Ten. Um, and that's why I say is some of it mental. You, is, there, is the culture just a losing culture now? You don't know how to win games. But at some point, you got to figure it out. And that's that's on the coaches. That's on the players. What did you think of um, Eric Chenander getting let go last week? I, I thought they were woefully out of position, especially the Georgia Southern game. Uh, if you disagree with me, go ahead. I just I didn't like what I saw. I saw I liked the effort. But not the results. No, I I mean, I, it's hard to argue. I mean, we have the statistically the worst defense in the country. And it, it's statistically the worst defense in Nebraska football history. So I, it's hard to argue to keep him. I, I just have an overall confusion, I would say, on what happened. You know, like last year's defense wasn't elite, but it was pretty good. 
Yeah. And, you know, there are, we stopped Oklahoma. We stopped Michigan who went to the playoff. You stopped Michigan, you know, Michigan state. If you remember that game, they didn't have a first down the entire second half. And that was a team that finished with 10 wins. So, um, or nine or 10 wins, however many they finished with Kenneth Walker, who turned out to an NFL, NFL, you know, an NFL running back who we stopped no problem. And so I don't quite understand how we have a lot of the same players that came back. You know, you lose yeah. Jojo Doman and a couple other guys. I just don't, I, I have an overall confusion. I don't get it. Like I don't, how did we go from going toe to toe with Michigan and Michigan state and Oklahoma and Wisconsin and everybody to Georgia Southern putting up 700 yards? I, I, I guess that, so it's hard to argue. I don't know what happened in the off season. I don't know if Shenander just lost the players. I don't know if the players just aren't good. Um, but I would say that I would say our, de- our defense trended positively the last four years. And then this year it's like, they all just forgot how to tackle. They're wildly out of position. They aren't physical. It's, it's been overall extremely confusing to watch um, more than anything for me. I think, that's, what. Yeah, I think we're all just blindsided by it. I thought we'd start seven and one. And here yeah. we are one and three staring down like a one and 11 season. I've been like blindsided by this team. I had no idea. Now, Leah, let's talk about the rest of the year. Mickey Joseph is a Husker guy. By all accounts, his players love him. Uh, guys he brings in, he's a good recruiter. What does he need to do? to get this job, I got to imagine they're going to go outside. You just listed a ton of names and Matt Campbell's still a hot name in Iowa state. I got it. It's going to be hard for Mickey Joseph to get this job. What is, what do you think he has to do to secure it? I just don't, I mean, he's not set up very well. You know, he just showed up in January, February. He's got only a handful of players that he recruited. You know, the defensive coordinator's gone, head coach is gone that recruited all these guys. I I unfortunately don't think he's set up very well. I love the guy. I loved it. You know, I, I think he's a phenomenal recruiter. And you'd love to keep him on to lead in that capacity. Um, I just think it's going to be really hard. You know, you've watched the games. Like, how are you going to go from allowing 655 yards to Georgia Southern to stopping Wisconsin or Michigan or anybody? It's just not set up very well. There's there's the potential, right? Like, again, the schedule's not that hard. If you beat Indiana and Rutgers and Purdue and Illinois, four straight wins that everybody sort of expected coming into the season, we could win out through October um, before you get into that gauntlet of the, the finishing game. So, you know, I, certainly if he shows some signs of progress and if he's able to like stop the bleeding and, and pull out a win against, you know, these next three to four games, he's in a very strong, he's a great place, you know, and he, yeah. people love him. The players love him. He's a homegrown guy. I think he's got all that set up for him, but you know, he's inheriting kind of the mess that he's got. So it's going to be pretty tough. I would think, um, but it's his to lose. You know, I think people want him to do it. People want him to succeed, but I do think there's a lot of coaches out here that have the head coaching experience that have turned around programs yeah. like the Arandas of the world that, you know, if they've turned around programs, they have experience as head coaches that he doesn't quite have. All right. The, um, let's talk Indiana real quick for this Saturday at home coming off a of bye week. Hopefully they just, they were able to take a couple days and kind of get their house in order a little bit. Um, at least on the coaching staff wise, what, what's your expectation for this week? Is, is it more the same? Do I need to go to the beverage center uh, for the game? <laughs> I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it's going to be, I think it's going to be painful. We came out as three and a half point favorites, which is kind of shocking to me. It's almost like Vegas hasn't watched any of our games yet. Uh, <laughs> so I think that that's interesting. It actually just moved to four this morning. Um, you know, they got the doors beat blown off them by Cincinnati. And I think Cincinnati's a pretty good team, but they also won three games. So they won their first three games, and that's, you know, against inferior opponents. 
Um, but they know, won they, the games. That's they won the games. You know, and that, that that's you know, I, I see a lot of people talk about like, oh, all they did was beat inferior opponents. That you see anybody that beats an inferior opponent, we're not beating inferior opponents. We're not beating anybody. So, you know, I think that that's concerning that they have that you know ability to beat inferior opponents. I think it's going to be, I don't know. I think it's it's going to be a hard one to watch. Um, <laughs> it's at Nebraska. So you hope that yeah. like some of that momentum can carry through. I do think like, here's the optimistic side of me. I actually, if you look at our offense, I, our defense, I can barely watch. I have to, you know, you talk about the beverage center. I have to leave the house anytime. The, <laughs> our defense is playing. But on the offensive side of the ball, I actually think Casey Thompson is a pretty darn good quarterback. I think yeah. Trey Palmer's probably our best wide receiver since Kenny Bell. And I think Anthony Grant's probably our best running back since Samir. So I think those three, together i know our offensive line is woeful right now but if those three can take over a game and finally kind of play up to their potential you've seen sparks of it they played pretty well in every game except oklahoma um you know trey's good casey's good so you know you'd like to think at some point they can take over a game and and you know anthony grant can run for a buck 50 or buck 60 again like he was on pace for a thousand yards until he struggled against oklahoma so the optimistic side of me's got like can we go you know, can, can we just put up a bunch of points? Cause we're going to, you're going to need 42 points to beat anybody the rest of the season. Um, and if Casey can figure that out, then that's, that's good for us. Yeah. Now the, we talked about the next coach. I, I fickle. I am surprised he's still at Cincinnati. I thought he would have left. It just kind of didn't match up last year. I would love it if he, if he would come now, before we got on, we, I asked you if you're an urban guy and you are, and I'm not. So let's go. Here, here's why I don't think one, I, I, he's, I think he's just a jackass. And yes, I think that, okay? and he, is. he wins a ton of games, though. And that's the allure. My problem is I, I think you – where is he? Is he the same person now as he was a few years ago? Because you look at Jacksonville, they're playing good football in the NFL now. That was a disaster waiting to happen. Um, do you think – the reason I don't think they'll bring in Urban Meyer is almost nothing to do with football. It has to do with personality. Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini's defense got lit up in some big games toward the end. But Bopolini, to me, got fired at least 50% because he swore all the time. Yeah. And then you bring in Mike Riley, the anti-Bopolini, and he couldn't do either one. He didn't, but he did it without the cussing. Do you think how much of Urban Meyer's perceived character matters in Lincoln, or do people just want to win games now? You know, I, hey, I, I get it. I think the character matters a ton. And I think at the end of the day, Trev's probably going to look at that. And, you know, there, you know, I, I tweet out a bunch of stuff about Urban Meyer and get a ton of backlash. So I get it. There's a lot of concern <laughs> there. Um, I just, you know, when it comes down to it and one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football is available and is not coaching somewhere and you can get him, you know, I think you make a run at him and see what happens. And there's, I think there's multiple sides of Urban Meyer, right? There's, you know, he's got three titles. He's 65 and 15 in Florida. He won, you know, where do you go at Ohio State? Yeah, 83 and nine at Ohio State, 54 yeah. and four in the Big Ten. He knows how to win in the Big Ten. He knows how to recruit in the Big Ten. You know, he knows how to take a program to the next level. He's a maniacal recruiter. He's the best recruiter that's maybe ever existed. Um, and he and gets kids to the NFL. Gets kids to the NFL. He knows how to recruit. He knows how to sell. He knows how to win. He knows how to coach. Basically, all the things that we haven't had in this program in the last 10, 15, 20 years, right? He's got that maniacalness that, that I mean, and that's, especially as you throw out a name like Matt Campbell, right? He goes seven and five, eight and four every year. And when he comes here, that's what he's going to do. Hey, if he does that, that's going to be like, that's going to feel like winning the Super Bowl going eight and four. 
that's going to feel like an absolute, like the greatest thing of all time. But he's not, Matt Campbell's not a guy who's going to win 12. Urban is. Urban is. He has. He's done it. He will do it again. I write off the NFL side of it. Saban didn't succeed in the NFL. A lot of college guys don't succeed in the NFL. Um, I think he's got the character issues that it's going to be hard to get behind. But if he's able to kind of put on, you know, uh, the part of Urban that, that, is interesting is if he can check the ego and if he can come here for like a rehab tour, like this guy doesn't want to end his career as a complete, you know, he's a, he's a laughing stock right now in a lot of ways, right? Like everybody in Jacksonville is laughing at him. The NFL is laughing at him. Like people aren't remembering that he was the great, one of the greatest coaches of all time that if he wants to come to Nebraska with the nice fans where we can lift him up and he can go through a rehab tour and actually be a nice guy while winning. I don't know if he's got it in him, but, (laughs) but, if he does and he ends his career like flipping around Nebraska as opposed to ending his career as a laughing stock and a disgrace in the NFL, that to me is like the interesting component of it is, you know, can you repent for all of his past misdeeds by coming here and, you know, becoming a winning coach? I don't know, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting question. I think with Urban, if he does come, let's say he comes and you get an immediate tournament. I think he's here two years, three max. He's going to go for that next best job, you know, to go to another level. That that's my opinion. I don't know, um, but I you know what you're actually pulling me into the urban the Lincoln train here. Just, you make sense in that you know what you may not get the guy you got. I mean, look, leopards don't change their spots, but maybe he learned from Jacksonville. I don't know, um, but you got to get some. You got to you got to win some games here. And I but I, I will give him credit for this. He put on a heck of an audition at the uh, pregame show before the Oklahoma. He really did. Nebraska had the best fans on the road that he fed the whole thing. And he said all the right things. And they certainly gave him a big cheer. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's what becomes interesting for him is, um, you know, to your point, does he go on and take another big job? Maybe, but he's 58. So he's not young. You know, I think he's kind of, to me, it's like, this is your last crack. Um, you know, Saban was 58 when he took over Alabama. So like, he's got potentially another five, 10 years in him. But, um, I, I feel like at that age, you kind of want to take one last crack. So it's like, can, can Nebraska be that last crack for him to go through it? You know, and that, I think it's less about, um, him going and taking another job. The other, the concern would be like, at what point does he self-destruct or does his health become an issue? You know, cause that's what, you know, the health issue became a thing at Ohio state. It became a thing at Florida, the self-destruction tendencies, become a thing, but man, if he can flip us around and turn us and get into a good place to get some good recruits in here and um, could be interesting. Even if it's a, a couple of years stopgap to me, I'll take, I, I, I don't, there's other guys I want, but yeah, you're talking about if what's the end of the day, I want my football team to win. He's won everywhere he goes. He turned Utah into something, you know, Florida, he had a different different cast of characters down there. They had, they had a yeah. lot going on. But at the end of the day, I guess Tebow offset the uh, Aaron Hernandez is a little bit morality. Yeah, but I think about, like, look, as you said, being a Nebraska football fan for a long time, and so have I, like, you know, that I understand that there's a need to have, like, a nice guy and a moral guy at the head of your program. We tried that with Mike Riley. It didn't work, right? You know, yeah. so that, that to me, is there an issue there? And you look at some of our best teams of all time. Who do we have? Lawrence Phillips. You know, yeah. Abdul Muhammad. You had these guys who had the edge to them. They, you know, they got in trouble with the law. They had, you know, they're pushing the edge of the envelope and that's what he did in Florida, right? You get, you know, it, it's, it's part of the game where if you have a lot of like, you know, church going kids, it'd be great to have them, but they're probably not going to like take you to the next level the way that, you know, some of those guys who are, uh, you know, who have that killer edge to them, um, you know, can, can play for. So that, I kind of anchor on a little bit of that of, 
you guys look at the nineties, like who did we have? We had, you know, Christian Peter and Jason Peter and Lawrence Phillips. And a lot of these guys was just that crazy, like psycho edge to them yeah. that allowed them to be really successful. It, speaking of the glory days, I, I don't think you hear a lot that they're gone for good. You hear that in the media. I don't believe it because I think you won. You're still the only game in the whole state. The fan base is always going to be there. I and mean, the fan base is hung in there through this awful period. We're teetering on it. But if you come back and start winning, where do you start? You start with winning the Big Ten West, which does not have any any world beaters in it every year. You have good teams, but they're all the same, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's possible to get back. Uh, do, you, do you agree with that? Or is it just going to be a middling program that, with a chance to compete for a conference title every now and then? I think it's, I mean, look, it's an interesting question. Um, I think to, to win at the level that we were winning in the 80s and 90s, where you're essentially competing for a national title and winning 11 to 12 games every single year. Yeah. Maybe we don't get all the way back there, but to your point, like, can we win the big 10 West? You know, Wisconsin's got two losses already. It's only September. I always can't score a touchdown to save their lives. You know, like that you can't, you're telling me we can't climb to the top of the big 10 West. I think that's when I get like in my darkest days coming out of some of these losses, you're like, can we just beat Indiana and Illinois and Iowa and Wisconsin? Like that can't be that hard. Shouldn't for be. some, you know, for a coach to come in here and be able to do that. <clears throat> and you look at like even where we started in the Big Ten when we came in, you know, we played in the Big Ten championship in, in 2012 and we handily beat pretty much everybody. Bo has beaten everybody in the Big Ten. No problem. That that to me is like the, the baseline that I feel like there's at least the opportunity for us with NIL coming. You know, that NIL is sort of what I hang my hat on of like there is the unbelievable fan support and the unbelievable financial support. And you probably saw like Trev Alberts and, you know, we've got multiple hundreds of millions of dollars coming in from the yeah. media deals. So you've got the media rights deals. You've got NIL coming in. You've got, you know, rabbits fan support that's going to sell out every single game for the rest of forever. So I guess at some point you hope we can at least regain our position in the top of the big 10 West or, you know, at least close to the big 10, because that, that to me feels very attainable beating Purdue yeah. and Illinois and Indiana and Rutgers and Maryland, you know, that, that feels extremely attainable for me. Um, so when I'm out in my darkest times, I just think about like that kind of stuff. I'm like that just doesn't feel that it feels very like to get to Alabama's level. That feels like a different stratosphere, yeah. but you know, beating an Iowa team that's only scored like three touchdowns this year, that feels like something we should be able to at least aspire to, to do in the near term. Yeah. Hey, you brought up Lawrence Phillips. I go back to way back when, I defended Tom Osborne when he let Phillips come back to the team for, for this reason. I said, well, you're not going to know for a few years how it works out. Okay. It worked out horribly. The way I read it was Osborne was trying to help Phillips and keeping him around the program rather than kicking him out of school and sending him back to uh, LA um, to give him a chance at the NFL. He didn't need Lawrence Phillips that year to win a national title. Amon Green was a beast as a freshman. Um, do you agree with that sentiment or I'm just apologizing for Tom Osborne for a decision that didn't work out? No, nah, I think it's, you know, there, there was a, um, a recent Nick Saban quote probably a couple of years ago. He kind of said something similar there. Um, this was even like before a lot of the cancel culture stuff that happens, but there, there's such a quick, a quick hook from society on a kid makes a mistake and you're like, kick him off the team, kick him out of school, get him out of here. You know, like he should never exist anymore. And, and, and Saban had said this, and Osborne always said this for a long time, of like, exactly like you're saying, if you send this kid back to the streets, his life's over. Yeah. And 
the best opportunity for him to rehab his life as an 18 year old and a 19 year old as a young kid is in that type of a disciplinary environment in a football environment with coaches who care about him and father figures who care about him. You know, Lawrence had such a troubled upbringing and foster care and, you know, bouncing around in LA and a lot of different foster cares that I do, I do genuinely feel that Osborne felt he could be that father figure for him. And it, you know, it worked for the time being, it ended up, you know, his demons caught up to him, but you know, I agree with that sentiment that the best, those greatest coaches, the Osbournes and the Sabins of the world, they do have that anchor on like, we can't just cast these kids off from society. You know, Maurice Washington is another one that we tried, tried and tried and tried and tried to, to rehab him in Nebraska. It just didn't work out. Um, and now he's doing okay at Grambling State. But, you know, I think there's plenty of examples of kids like that, that society is so quick to cast off and just say, kick him out of here, like kick him out of school. He doesn't exist here, but they're young. You know, I think that's what always kind of comes back to you for college kids. Like they're 18 to 22 years old. That's young. You know, they make a ton of stupid mistakes, some way worse than others. But, you know, if you're just kind of throwing them to the wolves right away at 18, like what's the rest of their life going to be if you don't give them that opportunity? Well, you're right. You're right. And you know what? It didn't work out. But, you know, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. I I, I still applaud Osborne for at least giving him a chance. So, Um, hey, Dave, how how can people find you and uh, follow you? Yeah, I would love if everybody uh, followed us on Husk Guys. Uh, it's on the screen there, at Husk Guys. Uh, we've been around for 10 years. We try to bring the best we can. We try to bring as much positive energy as we can into the program. We sort of were founded on relentless positivity and relentless optimism that uh, every year we're going to win the national championship. And so, you know, every year we kind of get punched in the face, but we at least have fun doing it. And we've built up, uh, we now have the largest following uh, of any fan account across uh, Husker Nation. So give us a follow. We'd love to uh, hear from you guys. That's awesome. Let's let's get some some positivity. Let's get something to cheer about. Uh, I mean, I'm showing up to work on Monday. It's just miserable. The Raiders yeah, it's, one zero and three, and the Huskers one and three. It's 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 tough. tough, man. It's definitely like you know building an entire following around like relentless positivity, and then just getting like punched in the stomach every single Saturday <laughs> for, for a decade has been pretty tough. But you're like show up every day, and you're like maybe we can beat Indiana. I don't know. Maybe That's we tough. can. Like maybe we beat them. Who knows? They have football, right? All right. <laughs> Who knows? All right, buddy. Have a have a great day. Thanks for jumping on. All right, Sean. Thanks. Bye now. All right. Enjoyed that, Dave from uh, at Husk Guys on uh, on Twitter. Okay, let's get to let's get to the rest. I, I read last night report that uh, there might have been a behind a closed doors meeting last night with Mark Davis and Josh McDaniels. Raiders are on three. I mean, folks, we're the only winless team in football. Raider Nation. Yesterday's game was a winnable game. You got Tennessee. They lost to the home to the Giants, and I'm I'm in Giants territory, and they they're off. And Tennessee lost to them. And then they went out to Buffalo and got their doors blown off on Monday night. Yesterday was terrible. The play calling was awful. It was uneven. Third and eighteen screen pass. They weren't even deep. You weren't even playing for for field position at that point. It's not like we're deep in our territory or anything like that. The defense in the first half, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Um, they got it figured out. No points in the second half, but you dug a 24 to 10 hole. It was 21 nothing, or they had 21 on the board, not 21 nothing, but they had 21 on the board before we could blink. Where's Chandler Jones? Were the naysayers right about him? That 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 he had one big game last week with his five sacks against Tennessee. And he's not the same player. I mean, Max has given us great effort. I'm never going to say anything bad about him. But the defense dug a big hole in the offense, um, couldn't climb out. And, and, and 
you know, Derek Carr's going to get people banging on him because that's what people do. But Darren Waller, you, you had a nice catch. And the ball hit you in the hands on, on, on that goal line play. In and out of the hands. I know it was a missile. I know it was thrown hard. you got to catch that ball. It hits off Waller and gets intercepted in the end zone by the, by the Titans to snuff out a drive. So the good news for the Raiders is the Broncos are coming to town this week. You know how I feel about the Broncos. I hate the Broncos. I'm never going to give them any credit, but actually I don't think they're very good. So my concern is that the Raiders make the Bronco offense look good. And then, cause that just seems to be the way and the Huskers do that to me too. Since we're on Husker day today, but you got to win this game. I mean, you're 0 three only team in the league without a win. Jesus, let's go. Cause guess what? After Denver at home, you go to Kansas City before a bye week. Do you want to go into that bye week going five? I don't. Hell, win it for me. Give me something good to cheer for. Please. Baseball, the A's, hey, look, we got a week and a half left. We knew it was going to be a dumpster fire of a season, and it has been. Um, but you know what? You got a lot of young kids are kind of enjoying the watch, and, and hopefully some uh, better days are coming in the next couple of years uh, for the A's. I want to shout out Albert Pujols, man, 700. That was awesome to watch. Good for him. Uh, he's been a great uh, great player all these years. And in my, my fantasy baseball league that's been around 30, I think this is our 33rd year, uh, Albert Pujols, some, i got to bring this up. You know who I'm talking to out there, sorry. Uh, after Pujols' rookie year, he was traded in the offseason in our keeper league for Royals while straight up. So I had a little fun with my buddy this week. Uh, this weekend when Albert got to 700 for uh, the worst trade in league history. Hey, Aaron Judge watch. Tough weekend. The Red Sox didn't want to pitch to him too much Friday night or Thursday night, whatever that was, uh, until that ninth inning ball that was about a foot or two away. Uh, a friend of our program, Chris Vitale, was at that weekend series. Uh, it was fun watching him on that uh, from ball9sports.com. So probably the only good thing in my sporting world right now, my youth soccer team I'm coaching. Got our first win uh, the other day. So we now have as many wins. It's the A's and the Huskers, Raiders and the Huskers uh, combined, which is just terrible. So anyway, next week, NFL, Major League Baseball playoff preview. We'll get back after it uh, then. So until that time, let's go be red. Let's go Raider Nation. Get ready for the Bruins. Let's take the ice. Have a great week, everyone.